0: Sync, we can create things that are greater than the sum of our individual capacities. This November, DaoStack presents a new playing field for decentralized human collaboration, Genesis 1.0, where peers and our different types of organizations will be able to coordinate around common goals, collectively managing share pools of resources. Such an alliance running on a new version of Alchemy will function as a laboratory for decision-making at scale, paving the way towards unprecedented forms of organizing.
1: The conversation you're about to listen to is part of the series of interviews DAO to Earth, an inquiry-based project funded by Genesis DAO that seeks to further understand the experience of participating in a DAO and how this new framework for organizing relates to the world we're currently living in. Yeah, thank you everyone for being here. Thank you for whoever is listening to this. And this is another episode of Dowcast, another episode of the Dow to Earth series, but this time we have something different planned, and we're going to see how that works out. So uh, theoretically, uh, today's guest is, is Jordan from the Org, but uh, we we had an idea and something that I wanted to experiment for a long time now, which is flipping the the the, the roles in the show and having Jordan as the host of this conversation. But not only that, also inviting other peers, uh, in this case, other people from the org to participate in this conversation. So we have four people here, they will introduce themselves. Uh, I'm also uh, one of the guests in the show and then Jordan will be our host. So I'm not gonna talk too much, I usually do that. So <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to, to Jordan, thank you guys.
2: Okay, awesome. Um... Cool. So I, I guess we can just start off with a quick intro of, of what is Diorg. Um, and so, yeah, Ori, do do you want to kind of talk a bit about that?
3: Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm Ori, and I focus on a lot of like the operational uh, topics at Diorg. And what it, the, yeah, the question of what Diorg is is uh, we're a group that's running ourselves as a DAO. So all our, Uh, decision making finances legal everything possible is on chain and and is transparent for everyone to see and is liquid and kind of open to new entrants and um, and then what we do that's the structure but what we actually try to achieve is like building tooling for DAOs so it's uh, a DAO that's trying to build DAO tooling.
2: Yeah and, and, and kind of the like one of the main premises that we're trying to go after is trying to be this um, really kind of liquid development shop, um, like a, a liquid service organization. And so, like, we, we, um, we take on different clients, and the idea is that the clients we take on kind of are representative of the different skill sets we have within the group. Um, so, we're not necessarily cornered in, into doing one specific thing. But um, yeah, and, and we have uh, different members joining all the time. And so for instance, like we also have Caesar and Hector here who, who also work um, with within New York and um, their sense of development experience is much different than my my own. Um, and so it's it, it's kind of fun because as you work on projects, you can talk with lots of different people um, and get get their thoughts on things because everyone just has a different background and and um, and as a freelancer you don't have to take on a project yourself so um it's 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 very much like a really cool safety net to bring a project into um and be able to find peers to to execute on different projects with you Um, yeah and and caesar and hector do do you want to maybe jump in to, to to give some of your thoughts as well
0: um yeah well um working on the York is pretty amazing first of all because um it's like you have your discipline and you know you gotta be disciplined and you work on projects from work three and it's pretty amazing to you know like contribute to this community and also to work with people like and that stuff you know like you there's always you're you're always learning It's pretty amazing also to uh, meet people, you know, from around the world, um, different cultures. It's pretty amazing, being honest. And yeah, pretty much it's like you are always learning and it's something you love to do. And, you know, yeah, it's pretty fun. This, It's cool.
2: Yeah, like that's that's a really good point, is is that it is a culmination of tons of different people from different cultures and different backgrounds and, and web three means so much more to di p- different people for different reasons. Um and so like for instance, like I was just in the, uh Barcelona on a holiday and Caesar um and also Nestor who's part of org, and then also uh Caesar's uh uh girlfriend as well. They had come down and we ended up getting a dinner one night and it was really fantastic to chat. Um, and yeah, like uh, Caesar and Hector are both from uh, uh, Venezuela, and so talking to them a bit about why um, why this way of doing things is is you know uh, potentially interesting thing for the the future possibilities of you know trying to build better organizations, better better coordination systems. Um, yeah, it was it was a really really um, interesting experience for myself because I've never heard a firsthand experience of what it was like to grow up in uh, Venezuela and see all that happen.
4: Hey guys, uh, Danilo, nice to meet you, and thank you for for doing this. Uh, Caesar, happy birthday! We love you from the York family. Hey, happy birthday! A lot. Wow. Happy, happy birthday! <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, I would say that what mind mine blows me the most is that one, the org does that, we don't have an HR department whatsoever and that is freaking cool. Uh, another thing is our our capability of collaborating on open source projects and getting paid, it's just insanely great. Uh, I've never heard of such concept before and that's really very important because it pushes forward Open source communities and people also get paid, so you know that's actually game changing where you can collaborate in this manner, and that's why I'm very passionate about working with the org.
2: Awesome, yeah. And uh, does does anyone here have experience working um, like prior jobs where they were a freelancer or maybe just an traditional corporation that that kind of helps you? Um, kind of see why this is interesting or or yeah like what what about this is different for you
4: I personally used to work for a venture capital as uh as a freelancer and it was always a pain to like get paid for work uh not only I would have to like um like send like a huge invoice with huge descriptions of all the work that I've done there was no github whatsoever so like you know, no pull requests, no way of proving that I've done work. And it was all up to the hand of the accountant. And I would also ha- I would have to wait for like a month and a half to get paid. And I don't know, it was just a very like crappy environment and crappy system where people would get, where freelancers and contractors would get rewarded. So it really took me to memory lane uh, to see how the org has addressed those issues. That is mind blowing
2: yeah so let's let's talk a bit about that like um, how does diori actually operate like how how do we pay ourselves
4: so we have uh every every two weeks just like you know any regular full-time job except we're not full-time employees um, versus waiting for you know um, the accounting department where you send an invoice and then whenever they want to pay you or whenever like Uh, they have cash flow and stuff, or they're not feeling bad, that's when you get paid. Uh, Here at the org, we just, every two weeks, we submit our proposals slash invoices. Uh, Then our members cast a vote. They agree or disagree. Most of us agree. Uh, Once you get a majority of the vote, uh, your proposal gets passed, and then you get
2: paid. That's it. Yeah, and, and like that that's kind of the beauty of it is is that that's really all we have on chain. Um is that yeah, the the, the only concepts we have on chain is is just like the shared pool of assets. Um people have vo- uh, voting power w- within that pool, which that, that's another interesting concept of how you actually get voting power, um which we'll talk about in a second. And then um yeah, once your proposal um reaches more than 50% uh ma- majority, um if it's not boosted, which boosting is is this concept in the Genesis protocol, um, which feel free to Google, but I don't think we'll talk about it here. Um, then yeah, like once your proposal passes, you'll be able to um, be able to claim your funds. And no, no system is telling you what you can and can't propose. Um, so let's say like one month, I do a little extra work, and I say, hey, like I really think I should be, you know given us this, this amount for this work that I did, there's there's nothing stopping you from doing that. So it, it really does feel like you're paying yourself, even though everything is um, by consensus in the group. Um, and so, but let's dig into really quickly, like what does consensus in the group even look like? Um, Ori, do, do you, you wanna to maybe touch on the, the reputation dynamics?
3: Yeah, yeah, so we use uh, the DAO stack framework to actually run our DAO. And in DaoStack, there's this concept of reputation, which essentially is just a balance associated with an address that's non-transferable. So uh, it's a reputation-weighted voting system where if I have like uh, half the reputation that you have, then my uh, vote will have half the weight uh, as your vote. And so the that's, that's the only thing that's defined uh, like on-chain. And then the rest is kind of like up to the DAO to figure out you know, what causes one person to have more rep- more reputation than someone else. And so with Diorg, we decided like early on to have this like very simple, um, kind of like easily calculatable objective way of doing reputation. So rather than it being like an abstract number that someone's like, oh, I want more reputation because I did some something good. Um, we decided to just have reputation follow uh, funds earned. So what we'll do is we'll set like an internal price for for reputation that's enforced through social consensus. And and then when someone makes a proposal, they'll ask for their payment plus the the corresponding amount of rep. And so as you're gaining more money, you're gaining more voting power over the shared asset pool. Um, And so like, let's say I'm working uh, full time for like two months. And so I'm racking up, um, you know, significant amount of reputation. And then someone new comes in and you know first they're working part time and then maybe they're working a lot more and then maybe i i drop off you know like i, I get a, another job somewhere else or i just stop contributing so that person could overcome me as soon as they have earned the cumulative amount you know or more that i've earned and so in that way like the reputation or voting power is being, like, inflationarily, like, minted constantly. So you can think of it as, like, uh, analogous to shares in a company. Like, um, so if you were working for a company, and, like, with every paycheck you get, you also get some fractions of the shares in the company. And so the more productive you are and the more you're earning, um, the more shares you're earning and the more, like, power you're, and ownership you're earning. The whole There's a whole other question of, like, how amounts are decided that people are earning, but the idea is that if the DAO is being intelligent about how it's paying people, then there will also be this correspondingly intelligent uh, distribution of ownership.
1: Yeah, I'll jump here. I I have a few questions. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm hearing about, well, I knew about DR, but I'm, I'm understanding it better for the first time now. And I'm curious, I guess, about two things. Finances related at the moment. So one of them is what are already touched on, which is um, how uh, how do you decide on amounts? So do people do do people work by 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 hour, and then they have their own hour rate? Uh, If so, what's a fair hour rate for the org? And then a second question, which is related to that, is how are the funds being inputted into the DAO? So you, I, I imagine you have clients and then those clients pay you and then that comes into the the, the community, not the community fund, but the DAO fund. Is, is that how it works?
2: Yeah. Um, like the, the the first answer that's the simplest is is that all um, contracts that we sign, because our, our DAO does have like a, a legal standing so that we can sign contracts with traditional uh, uh, organizations. Um, on that contract, it actually has the address of our DAO. Um, and so it says, you send all funds on chain to this address. Um, and so, yeah, like it, all, all of our funds get inputted to the DAO, and, and then they get later distributed to the people that are doing the work for, for that specific project. Um, we, we, we keep track of the different projects and the different funders that, that give us funds. Um, so, so that's kind of some uh, internal bookkeeping that we do um that you know again we we'd like to build systems around uh to to help you know um automate um and then once we have this catalog of, of clients with projects and the amount of funds then we can basically create this um kind of like master work order for the project saying these are the things that we need to do in this timeline um and then these are the people that, that have uh, elected to work on it. Um, and then based off of that is how we then allocate the funds. So, um, we, we, we started doing hourly initially, but then like we, like we, we saw very easily that, that, that kind of penalizes people who let's say do work faster. Um, and so it, it kind of creates this weird game theory. Um, so we, we decided to kind of, um, not, <laughs> basically like the final solution that we came to was to sort of not not enforce anything. Um, basically allowing the freelancer to figure out the best way that they can justify their claim. Um, so if, if I say I worked 40 hours on this um, crazy hard problem and it's almost to the point of completion, but like I, I don't have it yet, but here's all of my proof of like all of my work that I've done so far to get to this point. Um, and this is what I'm asking for, like a, a 40 hour equivalent of pay, then, then people have enough um, proof to basically say, okay, yes, like this is worth it, even though it isn't cut and dry, this deliverable. Um, or if I said, hey, you know, don't even think about my hours, just think about what I've done. I knocked off these three deliverables. Um, here's my proof of work. Um, this is roughly about like 75% of the project. So I'm going to ask for roughly you know, 75% of the funds. Um, you can also do that as well, um, and so yeah, like that's that's something that we 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 very much have not tried to write smart contracts around that process yet, because we really do want this process to be flexible um, and not kind of prescriptive, because for different groups and for different projects, it it can work very very differently. Um, for instance, like a design project. Um, you're very much iterating nonstop, trying to like refine something to what the 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 customer likes, and it's not as um, ob- objective as a development task. And so, for that, you may want the log hours. Um, so, yeah,
1: that's nice uh, because, to me, I, I might be wrong, but my feeling is that with that kind of flexibility, flexibility, you not only allow for different types of of work but you you also almost like create a, a an environment where trust is something that exists like you so one thing i i, I kind of don't like so much about the whole um blockchain space as a whole <laughs> which it's kind of ironic because it's the the, the main thing at, the, at its core is the trustless kind of environment why I dislike it sometimes, because you, my feeling is that that kind of environment tends to, it, it doesn't really foster uh, empathy, it doesn't really foster, you know, human traits that are very unique to our species, uh, in my opinion. Uh, but what you're describing to me, it kind of, it kind of works around that, the, the, the trustlessness of the blockchain. And it actually fosters or it, it incent I wouldn't say incentivize, but it opens up space uh, for a dynamic where trust is important. So when I say I've worked so many hours on this thing, of course I need to submit a proof, which is the work that I've done. But there's also an element of of trusting what I'm saying, right? And, and then I guess that comes from the relations that are built within this DAO in the sense that you guys know each other, you've been working with each other for some time. You know each other from other projects. Am I am I remotely right about this, or am I making this all up?
2: Yeah, no, like you're you're definitely correct. And and having a little bit of trust goes a long way. Um, just just from like an efficiency standpoint. Um, and so like we we very much don't want to build a culture where everyone feels like they're being watched where everyone feels like, you know, their, their minute move is being checked yeah. in on, on everybody else. Um, we Because I, I think that that's very, um, like, opposite to wanting to have a productive, happy, creative space for people to build yeah. their best work. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's definitely part of it. Um, and then also, uh yeah, like it, it it loses the human um, empathy part of it, where like we 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 very much need that in our systems that we use day to day, and that's part of people's frustrations with um, you know private organizations with the government is you know they're getting rejected from different health insurance claims, they're not getting accepted for these programs that they really need, um, you know their their profile, let's say is is um, I don't know. Getting uh, censored in a yeah. weird way, um, and so yeah, like losing that lack of human empathy is 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 really hurting people that are using technology right now. And I think that this is um, yeah, and, and 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 not just technology, but but people in organizational systems in general. So yeah, those that's that's at least my thoughts on it.
3: Yeah, and I I should add that like. Uh continuing trade-off that we're facing is between like the efficiency of like getting payouts let's say and um, the fairness and like the participatoryness of of things so or or rather I should say the the, yeah with the efficiency the main issue is like the overhead involved with doing this because you know um, imagine if every two weeks you have to like you know, make a case to your organization that you should deserve your next paycheck. Like a lot of people would find that really burdensome and would rather just, you know, work for a normal corporation that they have a set salary with. And so the goal for us is like not sacrificing that like flex that fluidity mm-hmm. um, and that like meritocratic aspect, but also without adding undue burden to everybody to, to become like a, a self man, like a project manager of themselves. Because that's asking pe- people a lot but but we are yeah it, it it it's a push and pull because sometimes it does feel burdensome to do this, but then we're also constantly learning ways to make it less burdensome so for mm-hmm. example, uh, we use like a host of these like different uh markdown file templates so that you're not facing a blank sheet trying to like prove what you did, but it, it fits within this context where you see everyone else's claims and you just do a quick one liner like you know, fix this issue Link to the PR, um, you know, troubleshooted this issue for an, for five hours. And so it's just this like really quick, 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 and it's something that, yeah, we want to build uh, software around so that it's not just like a endless trial and error, but that some like principles are being taken out of that and then turned into like easy to
2: use tools.
1: Mm-hmm
2: yeah'cause we we have definitely gone through multiple different iterations of doing this um and like we we really do think that we're starting to hit like um we're, we're starting to find something that you know has a great balance between trust and trustlessness, and then um just has a good game theory around trying to um you know audit things but then also maximize um payouts let's say for for the different workers so yeah and 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 so hopefully like we're we're going to be trying this out in the early phases of this next uh year um and then yeah like if if it really starts to to work the way we think it will then yeah like we we'd love to start to enable other groups to 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 do this this similar thing Um, and so yeah i I guess that that kind of gets into an interesting conversation of other groups. So um, that that was one of the things that I'll, 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 like for, for me personally, and I've also heard other people talk about this as well, that that was a very interesting because it allows you to have this kind of fluidity between, um, you know, like who you're a member of and who you want to do work for. And um, it, it, it can also help automate um, interactions between organizations. And so, um, especially when you know both organizations are on chain. And so, um, working with Genesis has, has been really cool because because that's where D work uh, uh, had had first started off. Um, and going larger scale than that, we we really do want to set up um, different on chain relationships with different organizations, um, whether it just be you know a um, a DAO that, that is a grant DAO like Genesis and we say that we, we will do this set of work um, and we will give you monthly uh, reports on the work we're doing for this set amount of funds. Or let's say we wanna have a relationship with another development shop that's like d where we let's say share revenue on a project because they're helping us with it. Um, or maybe um, we, we start up this shared contract, this um, shared pool of funds um, where multiple different DAOs can pay into it if they wanted to um, kind of elect themselves into the service that the DAO provides. Um, an example of this is in, in uh, some form of insurance. And so, for the, uh, a great example of this that, that Ori had brought up in the past, is that um, there's this concept of uh, invoicing, uh, in invoice insurance, um, basically where you can get money before the work is actually done where you get the money then from the client and you use that to kind of pay back like your initial loan um and so with development shops is very much a reality um where a lot of clients don't like to pay up front they like to pay after all the work has been done and so this you know shared pool of funds that let's say five different development shops pay into could be used to pay people out early Um, and it say that you can take on new clients and pay your workers early um, and and then just pay back the shared pool of funds Um, maybe with a little bit of interest um, after you get paid from the client Um, or just some other form of insurance like let's say um, healthcare or something like that but that's obviously more complex but yeah uh, having these cross-organizational relationships, um, so that there is really this concept of strength, uh, strength in numbers and network effects, and it's not just a whole bunch of closed, siloed organizations trying to do it all.
3: Yeah, speaking of uh, interacting with other organizations, one like uh, problem that's come up again and again that I find interesting is how every like uh, SaaS product or every Corporation you're interacting with or anything assumes that there's a pyramid on the other end of the line, and and so they assume that there's some admin that that can be the you know permissioned agent who can make decisions on behalf of the rest of the group, and it could be something as simple as the owner of our Discord server or the uh, duly authorized agent that signs a legal a binding legal agreement, and so we've had to design like not designed, but you know, we've had to like hack like these different ways of dealing with those systems. So, um, everything for anything from like saying, okay, at, at a certain rep level, like let's say the top four rep holders get, get to be the admins on discord. Um, or another, like another trick we came up with is the issue of like entering into legal agreements. Um, so none of us are authorized on our own to set to enter the whole DAO into a legally binding agreement. So what we do is, in every contract that we sign with a client or with a even with a contractor with another freelancer, um, we there, we include a clause that says this this contract is not executed until there is a vote by the DAO at this address. And so what we'll do with a client is we'll like. Uh, have a client sign and then we'll make a proposal to the DAO for Dorg to sign. And then once that, once that proposal passes, we'll, we'll like notify the client. And of course, you know, like a lot of this stuff needs better tooling. But it's just interesting. Like I've noticed this assumption baked into everything from the legal system to like apps uh, that there's, there's some admin, there's a CEO, there's CFO everywhere. And, and like, it's, it's just an unquestioned assumption that, that we're bumping up against, but it's, it's just fine.
1: That, that's really interesting to hear, uh, because that, that to me, that really shows the, how we're reaching this, this, this frontier really. And it's not, it, it, it's of course a tooling frontier where all of the tools, they will require a kind of admin or something, but it's more than that. It's a culture frontier where people who are interacting with the org, they expect to be, even even when the entire thing is framed as a decentralized organization, it's on its name. People will expect to have a, an admin to talk to. That. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, and, well, it, it's amazing that, that you guys are are managed to hack that uh, in different ways. And speaking of hacking, uh, and and sorry, Jordan, to come up with questions here. I, I don't want to no, stick please, up. Please. But I'm really curious about how you guys have have done the legal work of of the org, and if I'm not mistaken, the first legal DAO to ever exist, right?
3: Sorry, that was muted. Sure, yeah, I I can answer that. So. Uh, kind of taking it back to when we were starting out and like started accepting funds from Genesis. So uh, we had a proposal to Genesis to build this uh, GUI for DAO for Dow launching. And so we had accepted those funds uh, to a multi-sig that was controlled by the active contributors to Diorg at the time. And then um, yeah, a couple things happened once we started getting additional clients and additional contributors, is one, one thing we realized is that like a multi-sig was not sufficient because we wanted this like dynamic reputation weighted control over the funds, not just a binary yes, no. And, but that's, sorry, that's like a, a side tangent. The other thing we realized is that there's this bottleneck to how serious you can be without having like a legal entity, right? So someone working uh, and this being their primary source of income, wants like a 1099 or some sort of tax form in their jurisdiction to report their income. And similarly, uh, clients, uh, corporations that you want to get paid by, you know, they, they need to sign a legal contract, um, for their, you know, their bookkeeping and their compliance and everything. So we're like, okay, so we basically need, we need a legal entity. We can't just be like hackers of a multi-sig anymore. Um, and we also don't want to compromise what we already have going here. Like this is interesting. We want to grow this into like a, a full-on DAO. Um, and so the the design the design constraints for us were like, okay, let's get a legal entity that gives us legal personhood. So we have like a business ID, we have and like limited liability uh, protection for members. But we don't want to have a executive like we were talking about before before we don't have an admin that can short circuit everything um yeah we we don't want to be kind of forced to have these weird uh archaic requirements like a like a board meeting you know every year or, or yeah other like random formal requirements that just didn't apply to a group of people that's distributed around the world and has a trustless way of managing their funds trustless in the sense that you can yeah you can see every single action taken no, no one can steal from our company you know that's an interesting thing that like i've been i've been hearing about lately how like
2: yeah.
3: a ton of companies have have to deal with like employee theft um or like an executive at the company secretly like stealing money because some admin because the bank makes you choose an admin right have full access to the bank account. And that's something that every company has some admin or set of admins that have, you know, uh, like full, full access to the bank account. So anyways, um, so we have this system that doesn't have a lot of the vulnerabilities that traditional companies do, but yet we're living in a world where all legal entities, like all the formalities are assuming all of these weaknesses. And so they have these formal requirements to like, um, avoid them. But anyways, Uh, We were looking at what's out there, like what's super lightweight and like unopinionated where we can just like have the entity and it doesn't really affect the way we're already functioning. And we kind of narrowed the search down to uh, like Vermont and Wyoming, which had, it was also Malta, but their law was a bit weirder. Um, But anyways, like uh, basically what these like uh, states had on the books were laws that like specifically said... the the legal entity can be defined on a blockchain like you don't need to have this like paperwork that is the source of truth instead of the paperwork being the source of truth this this code that's living on um, a database a public database is the source of truth and so yeah I've heard of other opinions like since we did this that maybe you can use existing laws to do this as well that you don't need a special uh, le- legislation to help you out, but the the nice thing about having, like, we ended up going with Vermont, and the nice thing about having being in a state where they have a special law in the books that says this is that there's less uncertainty. Like, um, we know that you know, like, uh, let's say one one of the contributors sues another contributor because they say you you know you promised me this amount of money and I got this amount of money, um, and like you might go to the court and then the judge might say like okay like you know where's the agreement about this and he's like oh no well, you know we we actually just it's this like boat waiting on this digital system and they might you know laugh you out and not uphold any of the like yeah. you know they might they might make a ruling against someone that like puts their personal assets at risk or something um even though it was this like we all kind of made a, a blood oath at the beginning that code is law or whatever you know whatever we choose mm-hmm. so so that was why it was like nice to go with like a safer jurisdiction where they have explicitly said you can do this. And so yeah, anyways, we we got connected with like uh these lawyers in, in Vermont who were familiar with the law and they helped us like uh basically define all the initial documents we needed to get it registered and in a way that that it was a long back and forth uh, to do it in a way that the legal agreements would reflect what the DAO was doing and not the other way around. Uh, so essentially we wouldn't be like, uh, having to change the way we were doing things just because we had a legal entity, like the legal entity would be designed around how the code worked. And yeah, so then that's, that was a process, uh, that took like probably two or three months and then we have this entity. And since then, like I was talking about earlier, we found these like hacky ways to make it work with the rest of the legal system, like contract law. But yeah, formation of the company, we um, we've, we've open sourced like uh, all the legal agreements that were involved in that. It's on our one of our GitHub repos. So we're hoping, and I, I think this has already happened like uh, at least uh, one, one one or two times. We're hoping other people could just like take take that and run with it. Um, but you know, taking their own precautions.
2: Yeah, and um, like d- digging more into the details, like um, how does you know like legal ownership of the organization work, and then also how does um, like legal administration, like uh, basically interfacing with the the state, work?
3: Yeah, so ownership is a weird concept that also is has a lot of baggage that isn't necessarily relevant to the way that we run things. So. You know, like no, none of us have a claim like, uh, you know, we're not built as a fork of Moloch. Like we don't have a, a rage quit where we can like all claim a certain part of the funds. That's just not in the design of the smart contracts we use. So there isn't this notion that any one of us has any fractional ownership of the shared pool. We just have shared uh, fractional voting power over it. Uh, but But the law still wants us to have this like idea of a set of owners. And yeah, so what it gives you in terms of like uh financial rights in our case, isn't really anything because the DAO is the be all end all of where the finances go. But, uh, it does have other kind of like qualities like the idea that, um, actions that, that our freelancers do through the DAO, like working for a client or procuring a new client project, uh, fall under the shield of limited liability. So the idea that like, an action that, that um, the law has this weird thing, at least in the States where you're considered a general partnership if you don't have a legal entity. And so an action that any one person takes can like basically tie in all the other people, even if they had nothing to do with it. So limited liability kind of makes this protective shell where you're only responsible for your own actions and you you can't be uh, tied in with, with other people. And so yeah, be, being an owner of the entity uh, achieves that in a way um yeah and and then with the administrative stuff um like like we were talking about earlier uh most of that we do through a proposal to take an administrative action related to the legal entity but but uh, yeah one more thing i should say about the reason we chose like went the route we did with like the llc in vermont is because it's an entity that requires very 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 minimal administrative actions so you know maybe one, once a year we're gonna have to like Obviously, uh, um, hire an accountant to pay our taxes. Like anyone has to do that. But beyond that, there's not much extra that we need to do. There's not like a lot of like forms um, or reporting and stuff like that. So we we try to avoid the administrative stuff because yeah, it would get hairy. Like having this voting system with these like administrative requirements. So yeah, for now it seems it seems like we have uh, a way of dealing with it.
2: Awesome. Um, yeah, and and like with with the administrative participant, like the the DAO can choose to change that that person at any time, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. So I didn't go into that, but um, for basically the the formation, we the lawyers we were working with came up with this concept of one person being the default, like the fallback of who who should be doing the legal stuff. So the DAO can like choose this person at any time switch them so let's say like the DAO company gets sued so there's like a fallback person who's like the person who should be showing up in court um and so like we we specify that as basically like a prevent you know a preventative measure against these kinds of things or like um yeah like uh time comes around to file taxes like who's who should be initiating those steps so it's, a, it's more of a convenience thing than a governance thing because, yeah, like at any moment, the DAO could switch it. Like right now, one of us can make a proposal and if it passes, then if someone tried to act as our administrative person, they'd be committing fraud. So it, do, it does have this like interesting tie-in where there's some advantages and some kind of like constraints to being legal, legalized.
2: Cool. Um and, and and yeah, like the reason I bring it up is because is I, I thought you had mentioned the administrative participant and like I I just wanted to make it clear that there really is no backdoor to the DAO's vote. Um like it, 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 it isn't at the end of the day centralized because of this um, this uh, ability to interface with the state.
3: Yeah, exactly. And that and that's really what it is, the, the interfacing point because the, the state wants Oh yeah. One one other like quirky thing is companies need uh, a mailing address and you know, where's Diorg's mailing address? So we essentially like our lawyers um, also are registered agents in the state of Vermont. So they're legally allowed to like be our address. And so in this way, like kind of in, a, in the classic way you would think about a DAO interfacing with other entities, it does it through proxies, right? So the DAO, um, doesn't live anywhere, but the DAO can hire an accountant, you know, to to do its taxes, or the DAO can hire a lawyer to represent it in court, or the DAO can hire a registered agent to be its mailing address. So that's kind of the approach.
2: Cool. Um, and and yeah, so like we've we've talked a bit about um, like how we operate and and kind of like the, this like fairy tale that we're living in. We've we've talked about the harsh realities of like the system in which we're operating in, and, and what we've done to be able to, you know, kind of like bring our fairy tale to life. Um, and so, like, what what I guess in in the future kind of most excites everybody. And and I, 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 I guess I don't really want to pigeonhole this to just specifically like you know DAO stuff. But what about Web three is most exciting to people looking into the future? Um, yeah what what are some of the use cases that that are really really kind of at the tip of mind for a lot of people? I can go ahead and start. Um, i I really think that um, in insurance could use a bit of heart. Um, and I, I I think that making an insurance now um, in some way work would be amazing. so that, that way, you know one people could have a little bit more assurance that their, their claims for the things they really need would be able to be filled. Um, and then also potentially give another um, employment possibility for people um, so that people being insurance auditors um, could potentially become like you know equivalent to being a higher paid uber driver, let's say or something like that. Um, so yeah, in, in insurance that for me is, is something that I think is relatively fun
1: yeah this this week uh it was a uh, what to me was perhaps one of the biggest news of of web3 in of the year so i don't remember who it was but this this guy he he managed to implement to natively integrate a, a aragon entity aragon dao into a subreddit Uh, community and I haven't really checked how it how it's working but it seems that you can now interface with the DAO through through Reddit and I found that to be really powerful because it's 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 a a step forward towards bringing the technology to people who are not necessarily interested in the all in, in all of the in all of the Technical details of centralization and DAOs and whatnot, but people who would benefit a lot from more distributed, decentralized uh, community management tooling and methods. So, I, I say that just to point out that, in my opinion, community building, community um, weaving is something that would benefit a lot from these technologies and not only in regards to tech communities, but actually, mostly in regards to other communities who struggle to coordinate, who struggle to find ways to do things beyond chatting or beyond, you know, exchanging things online, Uh, communities that that would really bring a lot of value to themselves and to others if they could interface with other organizations, if they would have ways to... um, yeah, raise funds and then allocate it more distributely. Uh, yeah, so that that's one big topic that uh, that I see as one of the perhaps one of the the things that would bring Web three to to where it should be in terms of adoption. Yeah, I I
2: also like have have, have thought about that concept a lot because. I, I don't think at the end of the day people will understand what a value is and I don't think that they'll even really know that they're interfacing with something that's on-chain, right. um, but they'll know that they have an ID and they'll ha- they actually have the ability to let's say vote on something or yeah, like ask ask for funds from a shared pool of assets. Right. Um, and yeah, like Reddit is an awesome use case because, um, you know, people come there to express themselves and then to also share ideas. And then now what, what if you add the, the dynamic of getting those ideas potentially funded? Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, that, that's a really, really interesting possibility in the, into the future. Um, and, and, and then also, yeah, like hacking the existing systems, like not, not just hacking the existing websites, like let's say Twitter to take people or Reddit to, to be able to form DAOs. Um, which, is, uh, definitely amazing. And I, I think we'll certainly take off. Um, but also like hacking the legacy pe- people systems um, that we take for granted. Like for instance, I was talking to my dad recently um, and he lives in a, a very like uh, sub- suburban neighborhood and they have the concept of a, a homeowner association. And he was a bit disappointed that he couldn't have chickens in his backyard because the homeowner association said no. And, 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 and so then I started asking him a little bit more questions about like, you know, what, what is it like interfacing with them? And, it, it basically boils down to like a few privileged in, in individuals who have kind of moved to the neighborhood soonest. Um, they're the the main members of the uh, HOA and um, not a lot of people participate in it and not a lot of change happens within it. Not 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 a lot of you know ratifying of rules or creation of new ones happens. Um, well there there certainly is creations of new ones because you know if your neighbor puts up an obnoxious shit, you, you you bet that they're going to do something about it. But but anyway, like um, you know, trying to trying to change up the existing systems um, through kind of understanding what the new systems bring.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I agree mean with you. Then, like at the end of the day, um, the real user, the final user, doesn't know what happens. You know, we have the other technologies, and like the user just wants his photo to be. Uploaded to Instagram, for example, but who doesn't know like this data is, that, uh, you know, uh, now someone owns that photo. So, like, you know, it's a huge step in the technology because that is going to be decentralized, for example, in universities where, I don't know, if you want to know if, uh, if someone uh, if graduated from, I don't know, Harvard, you can check in Harvard uh decentralized you know data and you can it's public at the end of the day and yeah you know like it can it can it will help in any field at all because that your data is going to be like yours it's going to be decentralized at the end of the day and yeah it's like it's amazing <laughs> all the use cases where, where we could go, you know? And it's it just starting, like.
2: Yeah, and that definitely was one of the biggest um, like brain trips of coming into the space was just starting to have this new newfound respect for um, um, what, what the real meaning of trustlessness and, and true ownership really is. And, and then taking that um, and looking at everything that we have existing and realizing that, yeah, we, we don't really own a lot. Um, it's very hard to verify the things that, that we own. Um, and it's all kind of based on these very fragile people systems that, um, you know, people bang their head against every day and a lot of people do get screwed over um, un, un, unjustly. And so, yeah, there's, there's certainly lots of room for improvement um, to, to use this technology to, to aid all of those. Yeah,
0: I also read uh, an, an article days ago, of like, uh, like, for example, um, Syria, for example, uh, there's war in that country, like it's totally destroyed and some banks literally went like exploded um some people who has money and those banks um they went bankrupt you know like well, nowhere to go um your country's totally destroyed well with um crypto in this case yeah you know it's somewhere but where, where you have your money and it's not going to be to go anywhere unless you you know, you give off your private key you know like it also could be like a global um, economics, where it can help people. Yeah, this is like utopic, but it can happen. You know, like you know what knows. Ten years ago, we didn't know that, that the internet was going to be like it is today. And you know, we we can like achieve anything we want. We just need time. That's what I, I think, at least. You know, like, it's, it's pretty big.
2: We just need time. We just gave time. Yeah, Ori, was was there something you wanted to add? Your your mic had turned off. Oh yeah,
3: sure. Um, yeah, I just think that like I really agree with the sentiment that it's just early and it's, it's exciting. Like what we can't think of that this will enable. Just like uh, you know when people started emailing each other, they didn't necessarily imagine Uber. You know, like u- Uber was technically possible you know, in the nineties or in the seventies, like you could have a phone book of all the drivers and call, you know, it's called taxis. I guess we do know it, but, but like the, the level of like accessibility of the whole system, both for drivers and riders just like wasn't possible because the transaction costs were so high to like route people and, and all this stuff. So anyways, like there's all these invisible transaction costs. to what we do today that we don't realize just like Jordan's example, of like the three assholes in the homeowners association basically run it makes people forget that like they can be a part of governing a part of uh having a voice in all the systems around them so i think today we're really used to not having a voice in most things that we interact with um and so it's just i'm excited to see all like the creative different ways that people uh create spaces to be in control of what's around them and it could be something as simple as like Having a shared fund with your roommates for, you know, funding your shared expenses and donating a bit to charity every month and investing a bit every month in the stock market. Like, it, you know, it's just, it can get to these, like, when you have the level of creativity that uh, the, the web enabled with media, like we don't have that yet with, with value, with, with finance, financial um, assets. So we're used to thinking like, okay, like uh, I can make this app tomorrow that like renders videos about this topic in this fancy way and then sends you to this video if the suggested algorithm thinks that you'll like this thing. And so like we we can create these pretty freely, but like money's off limits or like voting uh, in a, in, in like a, high number of people is off limits like anything that's sensitive is still off limits to us so like once anyone can um and that's where we're at this point where we have these like really primitive tools but we do have the tools to build anything we can imagine even if it involves money uh, is when you start seeing crazy shit that blows
2: your mind yeah definitely and i i, I like uh, Uber drivers is one of the things that always comes to mind to to me first when it comes to future use cases because first of all I I I think that um, the overhead that let's say um, Uber the uh the the company takes um, from from like the the extracted value from that process can can be minimized so that basically at the end of the day the workers the the drivers can have more more take home um, but then I also think that um, there can be also um this concept of like um basically like shared value um or 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 shared services between the different uh uber drivers to where they could um you know uh, elect themselves to in uh an insurance network or basically sign up for some other type of benefit um or you know like not not have to stand up their own Personal legal entity um, in order to um, work with Uber in the organization. Um, but basically, like the same way that um, DWERG is a freelancer cooperative of developers, you potentially have a freelancer cooperative of drivers. Um, and like I've 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 talked talk, talked about this concept a lot with different Uber drivers, because like, not just Uber, but with um, different ride sharing drivers and like it's it's funny how easily they get it um because like you know we we very quickly you know just talk about life one of the first you know small talk concepts is what we do um they they talk about what what they do maybe driving uh a, a car as their, their side gig um and then part, part of the reason why they love it is because they're a freelancer and they get to pick their own hours and it really wish their lifestyle but one of the reasons why they hate it is is because um, it's it's very um, it's very hard to have a stable income. The uh, the hours can be very long because the the take home isn't that high, um, and then also there is a lack of benefits and safety net. And so potentially, yeah, like I I think that that's you know one of the biggest markets is in in this age of the gig economy, giving people some actual security and um, yeah yeah it's giving people some security.
3: Yeah, and to to also bring it back to Dior, like uh, we are running a, f- a dev freelancer as a DAO because we are devs, and basically Ethereum is pretty inaccessible to anyone other than devs right right now, like relatively. So, like uh, we're starting with the immediate like next steps towards towards these broader visions, and so. Um, yeah, for us, it's like it's like start with yourself, you know, like be, be the change you want to see. So we just want to say, okay, we see a better way to do it. We're going to do this for ourselves. And along the way, we're going to try to build tooling and best practices and share the methods so that others can do this. And so maybe a year from now, if we're talking again, you know, maybe there is a, a freelancer driver co-op DAO, you know, because maybe the the UX has gotten 10x better and the transaction costs have gone. Next down, so yeah, that's like why it's really exciting uh, to be a part of Diorg one because it's it's real it's happening now it's like we're working on um, projects for clients and we're running ourselves in this democratic way but also we can all see just over the horizon to like what this looks like if we if we do it right and if it, like the whole ecosystem does it right.
1: How long is Diorg now how how old time?
2: yeah so it began as like a thought um like a a very early developing thought uh like very late 2018 um and so at the last devcon that was in Prague, that was where um i met ori and then also a bunch of other members of the genesis community um and and also um gem from uh, one of your previous podcasts um, who works on uh, DAO, uh, DAO incubator and also with Eric and black um, and so a, a lot of the initial thought had gone in there um, but but it was still just you know a vague thought of, of what this like you know could freelancer cooperative could look like um, and and then yeah like it, it it kind of very quickly caught some traction after we got some genesis funding and then um Dowstack had gotten wind of it and, and they were very interested. So they kind of helped initially uh, uh incubate us in and, 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 and so from the time of like our first um like interactions with Dowstack until now, I guess that it's it's coming up on a year, but but more like 10 months, I I would say.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and so far, what, what are the things that d.org have built for, for Genesis or Alchemy stack?
2: Yeah, so um, basically, early on, we started with the DAO Creator. Um, we, we made it very, very early, er, early stages of usability. And we, we were still getting introduced to the Stack tech stack. Um, and so there was a big learning curve there. Um, and so we, we created a, a very kind of like, uh, like, naively usable version. And the reason I say naively is is because like we we weren't as synced up with like the way that Alchemy was progressing. So we we built the Dive Creator with the intention of trying to enable all possible features of the um, now and, and not just enable the contracts that I guess like that, that Alchemy were supporting. So anyway, it it was too large scope. To so so then we we then did a second um, iteration of the Dive Creator most recently. And so we, we just shipped that, um, and a part of that was was getting the the created with the dot creator actually added to the Alchemy's uh, caching service, um, and and so that was another um, long arduous uh, series of conversations and developments, because we had to figure out how best to do it for security reasons, and then also um, the feature to enable this in the the Graph protocol wasn't created yet, and so. Long story short, that process took a bit, but yeah, uh, basically we created the DAO creator, and it it, it it will soon be added to, to Alchemy, so that inside of Alchemy you'll we'll be able to spin up new DAOs, um, and it it costs like you know very very cheap. It's, it's maybe, maybe like six US dollars uh, at at this time I'm speaking uh, ETH is at like 150 um, 150 US dollars. Um, and so, yeah, and, and only like two transactions um, if, if you do the simple configuration. So yeah, super, super quick, and then boom, like you have a new DAO. Um, so, so the DAO creator. Um, another project while we worked on uh, that we worked on very early in tandem with that is a project called uh, DAO, uh, DAO Components, which I, I think we're, we're just gonna end up our archiving, but it was basically this project to make integrating um, DAO stack into React applications extremely easy with just like one or two lines of code. Um, and so that that project is currently sitting in a repo and it's 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 usable, um, but like there's some feature improvements to make it really usable, but it's it's a really great out of, uh, uh, it's a really great hackathon um, package. If, if, if you wanna in- integrate DAO stack DAOs into your hackathon project like that, that will allow you to do it the same way that with um, Uniswap, you, know, you have like this, like Uniswap you know, React package that that you can add Uniswap you know, to your application very easily. It's kind of the same thing there. Um and, yeah, then, and, that, and then
3: outside of outside of the DeFi ecosystem, we also have like uh projects we've done with with the, the Graph protocol and with uh, Diversify, which is formerly FNX, so like building a web app for their uh, trading interface for their DAO that they're launching, and then uh, with gnosis we were working on a a fundraising tool for DAOs. So like a bonding curve based um, fundraising tool, like specifically for the DX DAO, which was launching at the time, but then also now generalizing it to any DAO. Um, And then, yeah, a couple couple others, I guess I I can let uh, Jordan finish up on the other DAO stack related one. But yeah, the, the, the external clients one vary a lot more. So like we started with DAO focused stuff, obviously, but since then we've, been realizing there's a lot of need for just, you know, better DeFi front ends and uh, better tooling pipelines of Web3, and so funding
2: clients and grants to, to do that kind of work as well. Definitely. Definitely. And and, and yeah, like a, a, a few more dissect specific ones is um, uh, Caesar and, and Hector are working um, on the uh, underscore protocol integration platform. Which basically allows the DAO to manage a wiki of documents. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's super exciting because now DAOs can have um, these like decentralized uh, governed, um, you know, uh, official documents. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then uh, another project that also Caesar and Hector worked on was this um, uh, microservice to pay transactions, so that for hackathons when DeHack. To uh, distributes uh, voting power to people. Um, they don't have to pay the initial transaction cost to claim that voting power. Um, they can use this this microservice and and it'll spend spend money for them to to get get their initial voting power and the DAO. Um, and so we, we developed that. Um, and and then also j- just like uh, various um, alchemy improvements, like um, Hector's working on, this this alchemy improvement for being able to export a URL that serves as as like a scheme template, um, or sorry, a, a, a proposal template. So basically, by clicking on a link, it'll take you to the proposal page, and it, like all the fields will will be filled out for you. Um, we've also helped with. Um, just like various different stack um, issues and improvements because we, we are like one of the, the, the first external parties to start building on the data stack. And so with that, we found a lot of um, areas of improvements for other developer teams to be able to easily like, use it. So um, yeah, we've, we've been helping kind of be the main like, guinea pig when it comes to integrating a lot of their, uh, their libraries and stuff into uh, external projects um and yeah that's that's kind of what i can think of right now but yeah feel feel free to check out our github um it's just uh, github.com slash tech and then um also just feel free to drop by our uh, website which has links to all of our other things so the website is dorg.tech
1: yeah i, I was checking on the website that you you have a it's kind of join us kind of form and well i must say i felt very tempted to to write it down although i i don't consider myself a developer or or a technical person so that's uh that leads me to another question so how is how is the org in terms of skills and and especially in regards to non-technical skills yeah uh, yeah
2: yeah, so so first off, feel like please feel feel free to fill it out. Um, it's it's really not like we we are a dev shop, but dev shops are not just devs only. Um, basically, like we 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 have people that um for for instance, we have Megan from a a, a project called a uh, uh, Vera Ledger who works with us on taxes and kind of like general business ad, administration things. Um, we also have a bunch of different uh, people that are interested in. Design for software, um, and then also, you know, like I'm, I'm sure there would be plenty of opportunity in the future to get people who are interested in uh, uh, copyright and, and writing, um, and 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 yeah, like it, it is very much kind of a choose your own adventure, but it's yeah, it's it's all the traditional needs around like a, a development shop. Yeah. Nice.
1: nice.
3: Yeah, and one point on that, like look, looking ahead, uh there's this um kind of idea that we go back and forth on on like growing Diorg and like expanding our skills and um size versus like forking Diorg. So it's like growing vertically versus horizontally. So um we do like like the idea of uh small like like we were talking about earlier, like trust, uh, uh, low trust kind of DAOs um, rather than like big ones, you know, for software development, especially. So, anyways, um, like uh, we'd love to start helping groups of people uh, create their own DAOs that are maybe like a DORG style DAO. And so, one of the tools we're working on uh, to enable that is a new version of the DAO Creator, which is like more kind of template focused. And uh, then the other tools that we were talking about, like the legal uh, formation stuff and the fundraising stuff. So kind of packaging those all into a toolkit that lets people, you know, not just join Diorg, but maybe fork Diorg.
1: Hi everyone, Danilo here. So in this moment of the conversation, my internet fell down and I could not continue. Some of you know that I host Dowcast from a favela in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and the infrastructure here is not so great, so sometimes this kind of things happen. Luckily though, this time we had Jordan as the host, and he kept it going, bringing it to an end. So I would like to take this moment to thank you, Jordan, and all of the other D.org members for this amazing chat, and give him the word again to finish this episode. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Did uh, did we lose vanilla? Uh, Is everybody else here? I guess so. Yep. Still okay.
0: here. Got it. Hey guys, I gotta go. No to go to um, yeah. Thanks for letting me be part of this.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you so much, Lisa for coming. Um. And yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess we could just cap it off right now since um, Den- Danilo and puts have have uh, lost the uh, connection. Um, and so yeah, thanks thanks everyone for coming. This, this has been super great um, to, to kind of explore what, what Diorg is and, and what what the future of 1000 Web3 kind of holds.
0: Yeah, it was totally amazing. I would like to, be, to do this more often. Ah.
2: Same well, thing, definitely.
0: See you guys. Take care.
2: Take care. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for hosting, Jordan. See ya. Bye, guys.